This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. You are joining us for a, a little bit of an update bonus uh, edition. Uh, after I uh, put out episode 106, uh, I, I was involved in a um, football supporter association uh, meeting with the Premier League, so I uh, got some insights from that. So uh, we will share some uh, bits and bobs and discuss them. Uh, joining me, Mr. Chris Bird, welcome. Hello. And joining us by popular demand. Well, there was one tweet where somebody told me to get uh, Phil Shaw back on. So here he is, Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome back. Give the people what they want. Hello. Exactly. Popular demand is what we're calling it, even though it was only one tweet. We are uh, actually, we are in the ca- the uh, cavernous uh, surrounds of uh, the Moms Match Club. We've uh, decided to hang out here just to uh, test it out. So uh, probably the next time uh, we speak in it, you will be joining us, uh, well, if you're a patron anyway. First rule of Match Club is you can't talk about Match Club. So uh, people in the know, you'll stay in the know. The rest of you... Maybe we'll see you here one day, hopefully. Right, so uh, let's uh, try to do this kind of uh, chronologically in terms of... uh, We're kind of sticking to uh, football issues around the restart. I mean, first of all, while we're here, uh, Aston Villa played Leicester in a couple of uh, training exercises. Was was there one at Villa Park and one at the King Power? Yeah, I believe there were two. They obviously had split split teams. It's so nice that we can play our local neighbours... in the Midlands. I think that it helps when we've already played Leicester twice, so we're not actually giving anything away, are we? We've played them four times, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. I was just talking about the League Cup games. I've, I've totally forgotten about those yeah, League the games. the League games didn't happen, did they? <laughs> so uh, who's got the scores on the doors? Apparently it was 1-0 to Leicester at Villa Park and 3-0 to Villa at King Power. Have you got any goal scorers? I know Trezeguet scored, didn't you? Trezeguet scored, who knows? You need binoculars, don't you, to watch, when you watch these yeah. highlights? Yeah. Right, so, so that's uh, the, that's an update on the uh, the training business. So let's go to uh, this call. So this call was, I think there was about 37 of our fan reps on the Zoom call and we were joined by the uh, executive director of the Premier League, Bill Bush who uh, actually it was a very informative meeting. I mean, uh, as he said himself at the end, he said, like, you know, I'm playing it safe. I mean, obviously, we, you know, he doesn't know us from Adam, but he was, uh, you know, reasonably candid with what he was saying. And he, and he gave you a good idea of uh, the road ahead because 
The restart is only stage three of the uh, project restart. There's then stage four, which is uh, cross borders, which is teams playing uh, in the Champions League and in other countries. So that's uh, this is the main crux of the the problem is the actual traveling uh, of getting to games rather than actually being in stadiums. Uh, and then stage five, which will be the key one, uh, is uh, the reintroduction of fans. Uh, just to uh, talk about refunds, I mean, on, on the line... Um, Newcastle uh, fan groups and also West Ham fan groups had complaints. Uh, just quickly, there seems to be a resistance from West Ham to actually give refunds. And anybody who said they wanted uh, a refund, according to this fan, has been called at least a couple of times with the club saying, uh, are you sure you want a refund? And trying to talk them out of it. People trying to talk you out of an actual refund, which you're entitled to. And and Newcastle fans weren't too happy at, as well. Uh, I mean, Chris, you know some Newcastle fans. I mean, what what's the uh, the jux of the position there? The, ba- the basic sort of uh, position is that there's j- it's just radio silence at St. James's. The fans aren't hearing anything about anything. It's just, you know, there's been a couple of videos I saw that have done the round of kind of like you know matches in the stadium training yeah. matches and whatnot but in terms of you know goings on through the official channels no one knows what's going on in terms of you know at boardroom level and therefore if they're not if they're concentrating on other things going on at executive level they won't be they won't be thinking about um refunding the the supporters i know up at newcastle for example they do the sort of these 10-year ticket plans obviously you know, they have a very very loyal fan base and they the, the guy i know he's you know he's had his seat at st james's for sort of 20 odd years in the same seat this is what the Premier League said, uh, uh, as, you, as you just alluded to there, that uh, you know perhaps they've got other things on their minds with this uh, takeover. But he, he did say, uh, at the same time, maybe it's a, a game of uh, well, essentially passing the buck and hope, you know hoping that the new owners will uh, pick it up. I, th- I think I think so. Yeah, he did reiterate that uh, their owner ownership tests are stricter than uh, you may think. Although obviously, uh, I will you know, say, won't we? That's mm-hmm. open to debate uh, after what we've been through. I think it's challenging with Newcastle because from what I gather, with the way that the, the season plans work, there some fans are already having money taken out for next season. Yeah. Let alone the refund for this season and what's going to happen you know, into next season. How are you positioned with the Villa scheme? Because is it 90 days you've got? Is it 100? I believe, yeah, it's been like 90 days from the, I want to say the 14th of June. It was something around there. I know I get six six games at the the you know the value of my season ticket. You know, minus the six games. Basically, it's, you've got a choice of voucher or refund. I mean, right? Yeah. Sorry, for yeah, me, sorry, for yeah, me, yeah, I, you know, it's refund no, every right. time. Yeah, I think there were basically three options. I think there was you know there was the, the refund one. There was the keep it in credit, which is you know what's the point? Yeah. And I believe there was the option where if you wanted to, you could you know you could donate it or something as well. Which I, th- I think most people will just want the cash refund at this point. Yeah, I mean it's uncertain uh, what's happening. So I, think, you, I know I'll get about. I think it's about 168 quid, which is you know it's worth having. You've got to look after yourself uh, in these situations. There was a bit of talk about neutral venues. A few people were uh, still concerned, but I think over the you know the uh, during the the conversation and after it, there were, I think there was two games still in question. I think one was the Merseyside derby, but the next day, uh, the day we record this, I think there's no neutral games in circulation. And uh, the Premier League said they were quite surprised. There was a lot of resistance from the Premier League clubs to the neutral uh, neutral ground suggestion. They thought everybody would probably be up for it, but uh, obviously yeah. it, it compromises a competition, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and, and I think you know it's, it's the position of the league is so sort of alien as it is anyway. That, you know, you're playing behind closed doors, etc., and you've had such a long break. You're thinking, why add more sort of complexity to the yeah. to the process if we know how to stage a game? If you give us strict guidelines in how we stage this match at our stadium, we can put that into place, and each team can brief. You know, can, can kind of brief. brief it's all the that. local uh, SAR groups, the uh, safety advisory groups that ultimately decide it, and uh, you know, the police have a say as well. I mean, what, what did you think, Phil, of the uh, the notion of neutral games? So it, it just wasn't right. I mean, like you said, uh, we're not going to use integrity much, but any sort of fairness in sporting was just gone. I think the the broadcasters were all hoping that they would get like an American solution where uh, the NBA and the MLS now are all going to Disneyland to play their games so they would That's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. They would they would save the money and putting their cameras and everything carting Gary Neville and Carragher and all these people to different places so they would just have them all stationed at Disneyland for a big fight to the death. Chris, isn't just to update people have been, I, I keep mentioning uh, this UFC, I mean I'm not a fan of the UFC, uh, I mean I, I've watched only a you know, couple of fights or whatever, but uh, I quite like this whole Dana White's idea of having a fight island. Is that is that is that on actually, uh, Budge? Because you WhatsApp me something. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's in um, uh, Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, which is where they do the. I mean, I've done gigs there and stuff. It's it's where they have the Grand Prix. All right, so he's fi- he finally found an island. Yeah, think, a man made a man made one. If ever something needed a crowd, it was UFC because if you watch some of the replays with no crowd, the the noise of somebody getting punched in the head is it's sickening. Yeah, well, the sound of mm. oh my head. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things. We we obviously spoke about the TV coverage uh, with the Premier League guy, uh, Mr. Bush, and uh, and these notions of uh, you know canned sound effects, and uh, I think they they were their stance was they didn't want it in stadium, but uh, obviously the broadcasters can put whatever they want on. But the, he he said the broadcasters were interested in in having an emphasis on the rawness of what happens because. Here's a here's a product that's different from what they normally show, and it relies. The unique selling point is the crowd, the atmosphere, and the unique selling point of this one is you will be able to hear what the players say and what the coaches say, which are normally drowned out by the crowd. So that does create a kind of interesting dynamic that we're not used to. I'm hoping uh, that they don't tell everybody not to swear, and you know you get booked if you swear or, or whatever. I just hope it plays out as normal as it can be. I mean, what, what do you think of the atmosphere, Phil, uh, in terms of uh, adding stuff and, you know, this whole f- notion of putting FIFA in there? I mean, I quite like the idea. I wanted, I just want it raw. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly, it, would, it might add a bit to the, the intensity to hear the players putting some effort in or not, depending on what player's going to be. But, you know, I, I play games myself. You play FIFA every year and every year it's got closer and closer. So if you are somebody that needs the sort of the, the white noise of the crowd, the background noise, you know, the FIFA crowd is it is it's getting pretty close. It's getting good, but um, I'm like you. If there's no fans in the seats, I want the whole sort of experience of yeah. nothingness to sort of to make it alien. I don't want sort of any substitute. I wonder if like if it's a night game and before the game they go right, boys, remember no swearing, and then at half time they go right, we're past the watershed, guys. You can say what you want. Yeah, it's it's nine <laughs> o'clock. Give the refs some grief. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, boys, uh, half-time. Uh, right, you can tell the ref to fuck off now. It's all right. I, I just wonder if you're going to get some bright sparks turning up outside grounds. For example, at the Villa, you know, you've got the gates in between the uh, Doug Ellis and the Holtand, haven't you, that are, are relatively close to the pitch. And yeah. I just wonder if you're going to get some bright sparks turning up like a megaphone and just shouting stuff through the gates just to 
just to or make a, a point. Or an old school ghetto blaster. Oh, even better. Very 80s. Yeah, that'd be quite good, actually. Uh, just take a boombox down and put it outside. We're, just we're play not, background music and see how long you can keep it on for before they... Just, uh, just to mess with Sky. I mean, we're not advocating... Yeah, just to fuck but... with Sky so they get they get like you know, their, their audio taken down by the major labels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a bit of licensing infringement. Get it with a nice big... Get like some Kanye West playing, because Kanye will go off on Twitter as well. It'll be great fun. Who else sues the ass out of people? Metallica do as well, don't they? Madonna. Yeah, uh, yeah Metallica are pretty good for a, a lawsuit. Taylor Swift, probably. Swifty would get stuck in, I'm sure. But yeah, the uh, I mean, we're t- talking to the Premier League about... Uh, talking about the options of this restart. Uh, you know, vo- voiding the season was completely on the table and starting again was something they actually uh, mentioned and uh, but you know ultimately and, and Mr Bush said uh, you know he makes no apologies for making money this is what the Premier League has to do and they've got so many contracts in place and not only have you got the TV broadcasters but you've got sponsors who would want refunds uh, he re- reasoned that uh, if you're suddenly saying well that this season those 20 odd games uh, that you've watched don't mean anything then suddenly uh, You'll have broadcasters asking for their money back. You'll have season ticket holders wanting their money back. Although, you know, would they? Because they've had their day out. No, I wouldn't. If I've experienced something, I'm not, I wouldn't ask for money back on a game. I mean, bloody hell, the amount of times I wish I could have done that, but... Yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah, I mean so I don't I don't know about that, but it's 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 more the uh, the corporate uh, scenario, and uh, the sponsors are in a position now where I mean they're asking for renegotiation as it stands because they're branding around the stadium, etc. Normally that they'd have uh, they'd be paying extra for like concourse uh, branding, etc. And there's obviously yeah. no footfall, and so they have to pull that back what they're actually paying. It, you know, it kind of makes sense. There has to be some kind of compensation there. I think he mentioned a Guardian uh, article that said they got shitloads of money in the bank, and he said that actually wasn't the case, and uh, there was a lot of falsities in that uh, article. But the main concern is uh, when will football fans get back into the stadium? The upshot is the Premier League have no problem with football fans in the stadium now. That's not an issue, because you can social distance, you can control what's happening in the stadium that's not a problem uh, i mean at the moment you've got uh, in russia for every 10 normal fans that used to attend it's like a 1 to 10 ratio now in poland you've got 1 to 4 in holland you've got 1 to 8 so obviously we're talking about reduced attendances but the big issue here is the travel so you're talking about people traveling in from afar so you're spreading you know if somebody's got the virus you're taking it from point a to point b you're talking about people crowded on trains on buses so within the stadium it's not a problem in terms of social distancing etc you can obviously arrange and sort that out it's just the whole traveling thing which is the big issue as a season ticket holder chris what what's your feelings on it would you uh be rushing back or i mean, I mean first of all if they're doing one in ten or one in four one in eight how do they decide who goes i mean that's the that's a big challenge in terms of when i when i know it's safe to go i'll go it's i'm quite i'm not sort of uh i won't be sort of scaremonger too certainly throughout this period first couple of weeks I was very conscious to stay in but then once I kind of got an idea of what was going on I was I was happy to go out and have a walk I was you know and, I, and I'm out most days now anyway I don't bat an eyelid to go in the shops most days if I need to so in terms of going to a game I would be less inclined to get the train there yeah luckily around Villa Park you know you can drive 
in terms of fairness, I think you know, obviously we've got 30,000 season ticket holders, so you aren't going to get members anywhere near it. How they'd factor in away supporters, it might be that they wouldn't allow away supporters in any grounds just to stop the spread across the, you know, the Yeah, country. I mean, if you're looking at the Poland example, which is uh, probably the best ratio, you, you, you're looking at 10,000. That's best case scenario. Yeah, and then you think you're thinking, well, how do you, you know, you can either put it out there to some supporters to say we need a few to kind of give up their seats if they're willing to, almost like, you know, like a voluntary redundancy type scenario. Because yeah. you will get people of a certain age just point blank won't want to go. You'll have certain people with children who won't want to go or people who have to travel a long distance will go, but you know what, I just, I just don't want to do that. The other thing is if you're in a high-risk group, then you won't be allowed to go. No. And, and no, this absolutely. creates another situation, uh, the whole loyalty situation where, you know, when it comes to uh, availability in, you know, if Villa go on a cup run or if this pandemic continues and we're in a situation where only one in 10 season ticket holders are allowed in or one in eight or one in four, and it's all judged on loyalty, what happens if you're in a high risk group and you can't go? Is there some, will there be some kind of sabbatical in place where your loyalty is uh, considered continuing and still good and how how far does that go and and what about the person who says that i'm not going even though i qualify i'm not going are they allowed to keep their loyalty going i mean it gets it gets very complicated i don't think they'd be able to police it in that way i think what would happen is if you if you have your reference or your you know your season card is accessed now has access to the stadium in theory they can't stop anybody going in on your season ticket which makes it interesting you know mm-hmm. it's not because normally, of course, the whole point of a reference is that, in theory, they know who everybody is in every seat in the ground. But of course, it doesn't in practice. It doesn't work like that, does it? So, that so if you're going one in one. ten, I mean, you're talk- what you're talking about four thousand fans in in the stadium. I mean, interestingly, Wolves have been talking uh, to their uh, club. Uh, the, I think it's the Wolves fan parliament about this very thing. I mean, for your information, we have not had these conversations from a Villa point of view. But Wolves are saying that they've got this motto, all together, so it's all or, or nothing, essentially. They want everybody to be coming. I think, I think that's the best way. I mean, I think if, you know, an empty stadium is rather farcical, but at least it's an extreme level. This thing of, you know, you know, Villa Park at you know, 40,000, but you're only allowing sort of 4,000 in or five or even up to 10,000. It just becomes a joke. Imagine like, yeah. you know, Old Trafford or like Wembley for a cup final where it's just a mass of empty seats. It's just sort of like you don't get any atmosphere, do you? If, if they're all spaced out, it becomes like cricket. Controversial question. Do you think Villa fans would take this uh, altogether approach? I mean, you know how there's a big, you know, when the Wembley tickets go on sale, there's a massive scramble on the first day, even though these people know that they've got a good few days to take their time to, uh, you know, pick up their tickets uh, online or whatever. Do you think there would be enough solidarity for the all together? Well, I, I honestly don't know because I can only speak for myself. I, I wouldn't deserve to go. I can, I clearly, I missed out. The whole 2018, 2019 season wasn't, wasn't anybody's fault. It's just the way it happened. And clearly I wouldn't even think of complaining or putting myself forward that I should be one of the people that get to go. But I just think when you have a fan base so large, not everybody's going to agree. There's, you can even see in Twitter things and, or any online forum, there, there's always disagreements about something. I mean, whenever the Wembley tickets go out, I was sort of, I'd entered so many competitions to try and win one, but it hadn't happened. But when you, you look down, you've seen people getting the tickets, you know, there was a bit of like, Oh, I've got my ticket. And then people comment with, Oh, how do you get a ticket and things like that? So maybe the, the whole situation in the country has, has changed a bit because of how serious the pandemic was and it would if i'm going to villa park i want to see villa park at, it, at, it, at its finest that's what you 
partly paying for. You want to be going, and there's, a, there's at least, let's say, 40,000 there, because you're going for the atmosphere. I don't know if I, I'm not going to risk anything to go and just to be a completist and go when there's only four or 5,000 fans allowed in there. It's not the same experience. It's, uh, you know, the, the old empty seats, my lord. It's a chant that we sing, and it's uh, implying that this isn't as good as it should be. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, Chris, are you rushing to go and see a 4,000 game at Villa Park? No, no. I mean, I, I mean I've, I've been to Villa Park for like 23s games. I've been for, and there's probably been around about that there, for like the the, you know, the better ones. Or like, you know, a, ne- a next gen game or something. I've been to like youth cup games where you've had an all right crowd or the women's games or whatever. I've been to pre-season games where I think we played, was it that Graham Taylor one? We had about 9,000. You just think, yeah. just, this, this isn't the one. You know, you're thinking it's, it's a Premier League game. If it, I am very much behind the sort of all or nothing approach and you know you know when we put the whole situation into context i know we discussed this i think it was yesterday or the day before that when you look at the stats now we are very very close in the deaths to now being quantifiable with villa's average attendance we are virtually there now we're there we're there yeah i mean it's just under forty two thousand, about forty one and a half thousand yeah if you and if you throw in all the care home deaths then it's way over you're talking you you know you're getting up to old trafford terms so uh, or like an emirates or something and you just think when it when it's quantifiable that the stadium that we go and watch our team in every other week could be full with people have died. Then you, then it's, it puts it into context. And I just think also, I mean, I, I spoke to a few friends about this quite early in the whole situation saying that, well, when we're allowed back, obviously the first game back will be brilliant. I don't want that first game back to be, yeah. oh, it's empty. You want it to be in its glory and a kind of a bit of a, you want it to be that carnival welcome home atmosphere. You don't want yeah. it to be like, oh, this is shit. You don't want it to be an intertoto game. Well, to be fair, the Intertoto ones people used to turn up for. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, I remember when they did it. I can't, the first one, I think they did. They just opened the lower tiers, which was a bit strange. But they, you know, the people to bring all the crowd closer in because it was a bit of an experiment. But I certainly don't have any interest in, um, you know, and in, in seeing a sort of sub ten thousand crowd for a massive game. I just think it's equally farcical. And also, the whole point of going to a game is the social aspect. You know, I go with uh, one of my oldest friends, Dan, and he sits next to me. If if I can go and he can't, or he can go and I can't, and I can't talk to the person in front of me to the side or behind, it's just like this is like going and watching county championship cricket yeah it just becomes like it's not you know what if you're a father with your son how does that work are you allowed to go and sit next to each other but and then they have to rejig the whole stadium it's the, the you know if you're if you're a family of five who all live under the same roof in in theory there's no reason why you shouldn't all go and sit next to each other or around each other and then how do they police that it, it becomes really complex you know you're talking about like you know modeling and algorithms and stuff to work out how and where you place these people you know can i have my seat it's, it's how do you spread it all out exactly just moving on the all or nothing uh, scenario implies 40,000 people and as I said earlier on the, the main issue is the travel and the access so for it to be okay for all of those people to attend a game so all all together as wolves call it uh, you're talking about uh, the pandemics uh, being vaccinated against uh, ultimately surely which uh, is not a given I mean here we are you know AIDS is a virus of the 80s and it still doesn't have a proper vaccination Bear in mind, you know, you, you're probably going to be expecting some kind of a second wind. I don't, I don't necessarily think we'll get a huge wave, but I do think we'll get a little. There'll be a, a second. Where's well, winter? Winter is yeah, the, uh, you're going to get, the you're going to get your winter flu. Anyway. I mean, I know one of my one of my neighbours is a nurse, and she said we're planning worst case. We're looking at second wave in August, another one in November, another one in March. That's what the NHS is working towards. Now, then they will hope they won't get that, but that's you know a, re- a reality. Phil, we we get Chris on just to be the uh, the Grim Reaper. I mean, you know, we're just talking about a second wave, but he's just thrown in a third <laughs> and a fourth wave. Mexican wave, <laughs> yeah, it's a Mexican <laughs> wave. I like that. No, what I'm yeah. thinking is, I mean, how even if you you do let ten thousand in, how long is it going to take to get ten thousand through the turnstiles and out again? You know, absolutely. I'm queuing for half an hour to get into my local garage, just and that's you know ten people, you know. Yeah, can you touch that turnstile? No, do you have to walk through, wipe it? Never mind that. Dan Rogers already has to wait half an hour for a villa dog. So if you're having social distancing and queues and stuff, you would be queuing for a villa dog uh, at the Sheffield United game at half time, and you'll probably get the actual villa dog uh, in the Chelsea game at half time. I mean, it, it was... last game of the season. <laughs> oh, the last game of the season. I mean, it's it's already not a an ideal scenario uh, on the concourses. It, so... it might be, you know, that they don't. They don't allow a match day service. Now they'll have toilets, yeah, well, and then it's like, well, you know, if you want to bring a drink, you can bring a drink, and, and you know the rules around that. But sorry, I think there'll be a change. I mean, they're not going to give up the opportunity to make money, and which is good news for you because you've still got that five pound voucher yeah, from, I have. <laughs> from that Liverpool uh, <laughs> League Cup game. <laughs> Maybe they'll fire them with a cannon, like a T-shirt at an ice hockey game. Yeah, or like the hot dogs in uh, is it Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> but Starbucks are changing their business model, aren't they? They're closing, is it 400 stores down and, and creating a kind of pickup service model yeah. instead? Yeah, and obviously cost Costa have got drive-through anyway. I don't know if they'll open toilets. That's because, I mean, over here, they like open beaches a bit, but they didn't open public toilets. And, well, you can imagine the, the pictures. Oh, it was horrific, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the Premier League uh, guy actually said something, you know, the beer toilet 
football matches, these are the three uh, concerns about the match uh, match day experiences. Uh, yeah, this is um, this is something we discussed a, a few weeks ago. In that, my concerns about going back to football have been getting on or coming home on a packed train or a bus, going to the toilets. If any anybody who's been for a piss at Villa Park will know, it gets pretty crowded. Yeah, and that's you know a, a bunch of people, and it's not it's not even like everybody can go. And then you have to join a queue to wash your hands. It isn't like, you know, you've got massive places where you can wash your hands or hand sanitizers or anything like that. Yeah. You're just asking for a spread of germs. But let's, let's move on to uh, the potential second or in Bud's universe, a third and fourth wave. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing now. Maybe Bud is just telling the future. But I mean, We've uh, done it before, haven't we, David? We did it last year. Yeah. Multiple times. I think I mentioned something about going on a ten-game winning run. And, oh, I said uh, if we get in the top, if we're in the top six in uh, in May, we're going up. And did were we both right? I think we fucking were. Uh, anyway, uh, let's not give ourselves medals here. Oh, let's. So another topic we we spoke about was the trigger point for a potential second suspension of the season and how it would be determined. And and we spoke about it. And they were they were very keen, uh, almost like simplifying the process of it being on sporting merit, on results that have actually happened rather than what could potentially have happened, which is uh, kind of fair enough when you boil it down. The decision should be closer to what has actually happened on the pitch. But the issue is, if it stops again, what kind of window do you have to restart it? And I think realistically, uh, I think I forgot what date he said, but it's around mid-September. If they can't finish this league by mid-September, you're not going to finish this league because you have the knock-on effect. You've got to start the new season, and then there's obviously the Euros, and uh, behind the Euros is the World Cup. So it's pretty much stacked up. So you'd have to cull, if there's a second wave, you'd have to cull this season if it hasn't finished yet. Hence, you know, the importance of Villa needing to win uh, the next game. You know, whatever the next game is, they've got to win it. Well, it becomes a bit of a cup final, doesn't it? No, I told you on the last podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's 10 FA Cup, it's 10 cup finals. Lazy cliches. uh, It's 10 Peace Cup penalty shootouts. Lazy cliches and punditry are, are just uh, disgraceful. All right, well, it's very much a put-your-eggs-in-one-basket type game. There you fucking go. It's, <laughs> it's get out of the bottom three as fast as you can. I'm almost, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Phil. I'm almost tempted to say whether Villa stay up or not is what happens in that Sheffield United game. It's definitely over that first weekend, Sheffield United and Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, win those both and you will be sitting pretty. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, really the first four, you know, you've got three games out of four, haven't you? I know there's a couple of hard games in there. I think we've got to go to Newcastle. Well, they're, I mean, they're all hard when you consider that we're second from bottom. <laughs> we are, but you got to, you know, no one knows what anybody's form's like. Uh, you know, no one has momentum. It could be that we come out the traps really well. The break might have done as well. You know, who knows? And I know, I know you spoke about this on TalkSport. It's a complete blank canvas, isn't it? Did we sign some players during yeah, this man. Uh, pandemic? Got this little <laughs> Scottish guy who just won Scottish Player of the Year. <laughs> some goalkeeper by the name of Steer apparently is back. Oh, whoopee. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk some football while we're here. Uh, I, know I don't want to get into the waffle zone, but who would you pick out the three available goalkeepers that are fit now? Neeland, Reina and Steer. Neeland. For, for me, Reina's done. After he's, after, <laughs> he's done. Yeah. <laughs> After those, after those last two games he played, I mean, that's what I, I mean. I think I might have said it the first time I was a bit underwhelmed with his signing, and then it looked stupid because he had a couple of great games. Yeah, but then, then the old Rena came back, and it was like, nah, so he still has that in him. 
So no, go go when he's earned it. I think if you listen back to the podcast, I I say at some stage after Rayner had a couple of good games, now you can understand why they've bought Rayner and he's justified that purchase. And then uh, you only had to go on a couple of weeks, and that all kind of blew up in my face. I mean, isn't he like isn't he like so many of the of the other signings just completely inconsistent? I'd I'd go with Nealand as well, to be honest. Yeah, it, I think he's he's flicked that switch where you don't panic when he's in goal now. I mean, you know, you, you just got to look back at that bloody Leicester game for God's sake. It was uh, I was in, he's inspired, wasn't he, in the second leg, the semi final? Yeah, yeah, he's incredible. But I think we in terms of that stage five anyway. Fans coming back into the stadiums. I think we're actually going to finally uh, get some real uh, fan consultation on that because it will be a sensitive uh, issue and uh, it's, it's one that, that I can't see any perfect equation or solutions for this if they do bring back one in ten fans or you know one in four fans there's going to be a bit of a ruckus unless you just ballot you just ballot every game yeah or if you wait for for it to be a case of all together then you know you could be waiting you'll be waiting at least a season i would imagine yeah some club are going to come up with like a retainer idea you just you just know what they're going to charge a reduced fee to like secure your season ticket for the next time we can all come back west ham west ham maybe the new newcastle owners who knows maybe yeah what what do you think uh, just finally uh, about uh, some of the new rules that have come in uh, i think it was fifa that pushed this uh, the idea of having more subs on the bench uh, there was a big problem of because of the intensity of the amount of games that was going to be played uh, they needed to ease the strain on the players and of course, have a bit more flexibility as well. I think we mentioned in the last podcast, it plays against Villa's strengths because we're going to, as I said, we're going to have to uh, make sure we do well in the first few games because over the long haul, once the games stack up, we won't have the squad depth to, uh, the quality of st- uh, squad depth to be competitive perhaps. And if we do pick up a few injuries, uh, key injuries, we could be in uh, a spot of bother. But uh, as it stands, you're allowed five substitutes. We were struggling to have one substitute that had any impact and you're allowed to uh, make that out of nine players. I mean, what what do you think about that situation? I mean, you can understand the logic. I get it. And we discussed before, you know, if you're someone like Man City, all of a sudden you're bringing five, 30, 40, 50 million pound players off the bench. Yeah. Um, I think what you'll get is you'll get tactical substitutions and you'll get sort of tactical resting of players. You know, Man City can go and win a game and have Sterling, Aguero, etc. on the bench anyway. They don't even have to play them. So that will come into it. And the reality is it's the same for everyone, but some teams can rotate. I, th- I think in, in in the Villa sort of verse, I think what it means for Villa is they're going to know, potentially they're going to have to do a bit of their heavy lifting, if you want to call it that, early. They need to get off to a good start yeah. um, and get a bit of momentum so that it gets them driving through. I mean, some of the players, not that they're that used to it, but because they'd have played in the Championship previously they've been a little bit more used to the whole saturday tuesday saturday wednesday yeah the, you know the, the amount of games they've played you know i think someone like samata probably isn't but a lot of that squad of you know even someone like target who's played in the championship we you know a lot of those the, the core of that side were in the side last year and i think to be honest with you most footballers they just want to play yeah but the reality is they do tire and yeah uh, there is that mental thing of st- uh, keeping the intensity going is always difficult uh I'll be interested um, to see, obviously, how, how they how they do the, the training, or if it's just we're going to play and then we recover. Yeah, probably. Phil, what do you think about the five subs across n- and having nine on the bench? How, how do you think that fits in through uh, Villa goggles? I, I think we're fine because I, I look behind me and all I see is quality. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. I, I, <laughs> it's a very well-remembered quote, that one. I mean, Vasilev, he should be getting like a run against other teams. I mean, he, he could, if we can get him out of the wing or something, you're, you're going to have this ability to have maybe Barry or Vasilev on the bench. Even if they don't get on, they're going to be in the experience. And It's options to have, isn't it? It's a bit like a major tournament where, you know, you have your starting 11, then you have the rest of the squad of the bench, aren't they? Uh-huh. Hopefully Smith decides to use them because if they've and I've been critical of, of him, he, he doesn't make subs when it, it seems the natural time to do it. Sometimes he's proven right and other times he's wrong. But no, it's 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 like ideally you'd like to be a Man City or Liverpool with all these players at your disposal. So no matter how bad a game's going, I mean, changing five players in a team, that's basically changing the whole spine of a team. It's like, right, yeah. the eight doing good B teams on what I also think it'll affect if you're getting you know over I mean having been to numerous pre-season games when you get the quantity of subs it will it will affect the flow of the game you know imagine if you're sort of one nil up with 10 minutes to go you know that you can just make five subs ruin the flow of the game you're going to have extra time you know it's going to get you're just going to have matches with shit loads of stoppage time or like an international game where you know you have the first 45 minutes where both teams start a team the second half, it just becomes disjointed and it'll become even less of a spectacle of a match. It will become like a training exercise. Well, the the intensity is going to drop without the crowd to uh, spur people on. So yeah. I mean, as we discussed in uh, episode 106, uh, how this will manifest in terms of these supposed training players that Villa have Mm-hmm. training ground players should i say and we might see some players become better than they are in the, you know in, in in real match days i mean for example D- douglas louise you know maybe even henry lansbury becomes somebody who's uh plays better under less intensity who knows so it, as you said it, it has this tournament feel to it and in tournaments i always remember uh how an england team would change through injuries and sometimes for the better so you never know what manifests itself uh, as we go on. But I still think if you want to conclude, we need to get points on the board early and not put you know, this kind of uh, potential of having a smaller squad and a weaker squ- squad in terms of depth. Uh, it shouldn't really need to be put in a position where it does uh, handicap us later on. I agree. And, and, and it's, it's take a bit of the pressure off yourself. You know, win your first game mentally. I think it was it we go up to 16th, if I'm right in saying. Um, just psychologically, oh, okay, we're 16th. We've got a little bit of breathing room. It's like you relax. But also, yeah, it's 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 the second wave is also in the background. So uh, you yeah. just want to make sure that PPG, you're out the bottom three and uh, yeah. away you go. If the season does uh, cut short, we, we, we've got to make sure the points are on the board. Anything else to add? Uh, I mean, I just want to say uh, we're just testing uh, the, the match club at the moment. We're recording this within the walls of the match club. Uh, my old man said patrons will know how to access this uh, very soon when I send out the messages. Uh, if you want to support the show and also uh, join the Match Club and get extra podcast episodes as well. There's a series uh, from an interview I did with Sean Teal a while ago, which is kind of explosive stuff. Part one is out now. There'll be another couple of parts uh, incoming too. Plus a few, uh, I know Phil's waiting for these. Uh, the origin stories of uh, my old man said, I'll finally get round to putting them up as well but uh, the main thing at the moment will be uh, the match club uh, in terms of uh, these next 10 games so uh, please do go to myomansaid.com and check out the patron link there for more information uh, also one more thing uh, 
a few of you would have already taken advantage of this uh, like months ago when we first started the beer 52 offer that actually might be even more useful now obviously we're all having to watch games from uh, our own homes or that bar that you've built in the bottom of your garden so uh, if you want to get a free case uh, the link will be in the program notes and, and in the bio of the uh, my old man said twitter account my old man said but at the moment they've still got the old link up so the postage is a quid cheaper and uh, i think they've scaled it back from 10 cans to eight cans but it does say on my page that uh, they'll add another two cans into the next batch if you do continue to be a member i mean you can just take the free pay the postage take the free uh eight cans and then call it a day just ring them up and say goodbye but there is at the moment if you click on the myoman said link there's a there's a quid off postage so uh, take advantage of that i think as soon as few, first few of you take advantage they'll uh, cotton on to it and probably hoik it back up but anyway uh, that's just something to look out for if you need a few beers on the first game against sheffield united i think they deliver within a day unless you call chris bud <laughs> months <laughs> right anyway this is just a little bonus episode if you want the full experience check out episode 106 thank you very much gentlemen for uh, testing this out and pleasure uh, yep no doubt we will see each other or hear each other on wednesday in uh, match club and before that on match club as we carry on testing it until then thank you very much for listening and it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.